The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. indeed welcome along this is episode 155 of the boys of tech new zealand's longest running tech podcast this is for the week beginning monday the 27th of february 2012 my name is edwin herman i'd like to welcome on the panel first of all brett king aloha and how are you this week pretty good better than average <laughs> better than average is is good 50 percent of people Feel better than average. <laughs> and 90% of stats could be made to say whatever you want them to. <laughs> Except not that one. Uh, because obviously <laughs> that was by definition. Let's bring in Alec Doughty from Drinkle.com in Brisbane. Welcome along, Al. And good morning to you both. Oh, yeah. So what do you think about the... Uh, how many, what percentage of stats are made up, do you think? Um... That's a difficult question, actually, because that in itself could be yeah, made up. Yeah, I, I was going to say, say pi, but that's not high enough. Three, yeah, three point one percent, or ten. Yeah. What about ten pi? Yeah, all right. Ah, uh, now you're just making me want dessert. Three hundred and fourteen percent. Oh, that's a hundred pi. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Excellent. That's a big dessert. That's a big dessert. Actually, it's going to be a lot of little pies. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be. Look, uh, we could do a food show. We could. We should. We could. We should. We will. No, we won't. Yep. Food. For episode 314, we will do an episode just on pie. Well, I tell awesome. you what. I tell you what. Speaking of food, <laughs> we do have a story about some synthetic meat. Okay, so that's coming up very soon. But Are you sure it's, the, you can't mm. believe it's not bacon? Because I've tried that, and I can totally believe it's not bacon. What actually is the product, I can't believe it's not bacon? What actually is it? It's a soy product. Tof- yeah, it's tofu. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. That's that but it's fake, horrible. fake meat. Mm-hmm. But I like tofu, but they've done something to it to try and make it textured. Meat-like. And it's just, yes. it's just like eating weird sponge. I, I think a witch cursed it. Look, I heard from a, a, a Chinese friend of mine that in China there's some really, really good artificial meat products. Like, you know, they're, they're from vegetable matter, but they are so good. The texture, they've even got that stringiness that chicken has. It's just, it's almost real. Yeah, I don't believe it. It's probably chicken. Or cat. Or iguana. Could be iguana. Iguana is quite chickeny when you cook it. A lot of lizards are. Yeah, you've eaten lizard. I've I've, I've heard I've them lizard. called tree chickens. <laughs> what, what are tree chickens? Iguana. Oh, that's what they're called. Yeah. Right. I learned something new here. Look, uh, I learned it on a movie, and it can't be wrong. Oh, yeah, no, that's got, that's not. got to be right. Absolutely. Look, um, we should really kick off the show because otherwise it will end up being a cooking show, and this is not what we're about. We don't want to lose half our audience. Oh, precisely. This is not a gastronomy club. We're not here to tell you about all the weird things we've eaten. 
No. What's but, the weirdest thing you've eaten, Ed? Oh, <laughs> so you, the, we're not here to tell you about the weird stuff we've eaten, but what's the weirdest thing you have eaten, Ed? <laughs> Look, I, I can't even think. Uh, what is really, I don't know. I, I haven't really eaten that many. Have you eaten kangaroo? Because a lot of people would think that's weird. No, None of us, no, obviously. No, I, I haven't eaten kangaroo. Kangaroo relatively regular. <laughs> kangaroo is quite nice, actually. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very gamey. It, it's absolutely lovely. It's like ostrich. Mm. I've eaten pig's ears, or was it rabbit's ears? Something Probably like that. Pig's ears. I've eaten horse. I've eaten. I must have been really hungry that day. Mm. <laughs> Did you eat all of it? No. <laughs> Not, um, <laughs> so you saved some. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I just fried up fried up a steak, a, a horse meat steak. <laughs> what else have I eaten? Escargot snails, but you know, I mean. Oh, that's gross. No, that's. See, I've never eaten snails. Really? I would never eat snails. Oh, but they're The good. only thing I find about the entire process of eating snails interesting is the fact that they've got a special fork just for it. Look, they are good. Now, well, the thing is, we, I've, yeah, I ate mine out, out, like out of the shell. Isn't that fork? Hmm? Is, isn't the, the escargot fork like an oyster fork? You isn't it the same oysters. fork? I See, thought for oysters, you just shucked it and then slurped it out of the shell. You can, but the, the, there's also a fork you can use. No, I'm pretty sure the escargot fork has a weird sort of curve in it so that it gets through the, you know, round the shell part. Well, well you, ah. the, the ones I've eaten in all the rest, I've had this at three different occasions um, in different restaurants and they've all served them out of the shell. So, yeah. so I didn't need any ah, special. So you don't have to deal with that. No, no, no. You just pick them up with a whatever it was that we had. Some standard a utensil. Straw. <laughs> no, not a straw. Beautiful. The, the best one I had was... Um, it was uh, done three different ways. It was a dozen snails done three different ways. So four one way, four the other, and four, so, you know, different again. Very, very nice. One of them wasn't so good. The other one was okay, and the other one was brilliant. And the brilliant uh, one wasn't the traditional one. No. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, look. The we brilliant did- one was covered in <laughs> soy sauce and then battered in beer. <laughs> no, not quite. And then frozen. Beer battered snails. Okay, Frozen look, can, and deep can we, fried. Can we get off the food? Ooh. Can we get off the food? Because we've already lost probably most of our audience. Okay. Although I can if hear someone, I can hear someone in the audience just going, "No, no, this is interesting. Keep going, keep going." Keep, <laughs> I want you, you guys and then to do you a realize that's me saying it. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> right. Look, just looking ahead at some of the stories. Looking at how Nokia is doing. Uh, remember that Nokia, of course, took a big punt on the uh, Windows Phone OS. The latest Samsung Galaxy Beam, and also. Google is to bring in a do not track button into its browser. So first of all, Nokia, according to the latest research, is now the top Microsoft smartphone maker. Uh, this is quarter four, 2011. Well, they, they went to the top pretty quickly, seeing as it was only, what, mid-2011 that they said they were going to bring out a Windows phone? Absolutely, and this is just in, in one quarter of sales. I must yeah. admit, that must have been a really nervous six months. I, 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 oh, I especially because we're talking about, what is it, two phones? Yeah. Well, three <laughs> now. There's the 710, the 800, and the 900. Well, it was pretty much, ta- it was taking a huge punt. It, it was taking a, a very big punt for Nokia, and it was a, the right punt to take. Absolutely. Well, so yeah, I, it, I think both Microsoft and Nokia have, have to be happy with that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. yeah, And they are good phones. I mean, you've got one, L. Yeah, well, I don't have a Nokia one, but I've got a Windows phone. Ah, okay, all right. So, yeah. so the OS is a good OS. I'll, yeah, I'll say, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. And I will get a, uh, a Lumia 
just when when the 900 or, or one at least one with a front facing camera gets released in Australia. Quite liking the front facing camera. Then. Indeed, indeed. I think it's a it's a prerequisite these days. Yeah. Um, how, how else are you going to do Skype on a phone? Precisely. How else are you going to do all of those things which allow you to bypass the mobile carriers exactly. <laughs> <and> services? <laughs> Actually, I saw a story just on the week gone about the, I think it was $1.3 billion in network revenue lost due to text applications. Yeah. Or, or you know, the larger number of people who have iPhones and the fact that iPhones now will text each other over the network instead of over the the mobile network exactly but i I think this is this is indicative of the 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 just ridiculously exorbitant cost of sms i mean if if you if you go to the to the megabyte it's like four hundred dollars a megabyte or something yeah yeah yeah. oh you just don't have a good enough plan i'm quite happy with my plan now what your text plan yeah my my plan has given me all of these new things like you know when i first got my iphone i complained about the plan a little bit how we had this tiny amount of bandwidth that was you know subsidized by this bandwidth limited offer thing which mm-hmm. Vodafone were doing at the time and we got all of these pix messages but no text messages now we get you know thousands of text messages a thousand pix messages and <laughs> three and a bit gigs of data and it's all part of the plan I'm I'm loving my mobile plan now. It's perfect. So you can send genuine texts, not yeah. SMS messages, not not the, uh, the the sort of artificial ones that go through the network. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, not I very good. Send, I can send thousands, literally. <laughs> but you know, the rack rate, if you like, is is definitely very expensive. I mean, you're looking oh, yeah. anywhere between nine to twenty cents here in New Zealand to send a, a single SMS. What's it like yeah. in Australia, by the way? It's about. 20 between 20 and 25 cents Ooh, ouch. per SMS. But most just... most plans these days have infinite SMS. Infinite? Yeah. That's good, actually. And that's the way it should be. Okay, yeah. now the new Samsung Galaxy Beam phone, or the, the latest one, I should say, is, uh, is new and improved. Al, what's so good about this phone? It's awesome. Because it's, 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 it's awesome. It's got, <laughs> okay. it's got a PK projector in it, which, which is... Um, a, a tiny little projector, which is in in the in the front top end of the phone, that can project an image up to um, fifty feet wide. So it's a, a fifteen inches. lumens, which was it inches, was it? Yep. Oh, that's not so wide. cool. Well, it's still bigger than most people's televisions. Absolutely. Not mine, obviously. Yeah, My say? television is bigger. I, I said feet. Oh, 50 feet. Ooh. 50 feet is quite huge. <laughs> I, don't I, think, I, I don't think I don't the projector, yeah. a 15 lumens <laughs> Pico projector cannot project 50 feet. It'd be a bit blurry. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, it, it's really cool tech, mm, I think. It's very cool tech. They've produced yeah. one before, but this is their then their update to their beam dual core one gigahertz cpu inside the thing running can't even remember what 2.3 android was is called gingerbread Gingerbread? Mm -hmm. that's quite old isn't it (laughs) yeah i'm uh, yeah (laughs) the last one i was reading about was ice cream sandwich (laughs) we're well beyond 2.3 but i guess 2.3 is the latest for phones uh the other ones are for Tablet form factor. So just on these, uh, well, no, ice cream sandwich. Uh, new new phones are coming out with ice cream sandwich on it. Okay. So this this actually seems an Android generation behind. It is. 
So just on these Pico projectors, so we're talking like if you turn up to a meeting at work and you've got some material on your phone, you can just pop the phone on the on the table and it will project on, onto a wall or a screen, just as Absolutely. you would use a data projector. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That is very yeah. cool. Yeah, it's yeah. very but cool. But then true, the battery, surely it's not going to last more than a few minutes. Well, it does have a very big battery in it. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the 2,000 Samsung. milliamp. Yeah, yeah. 2,000 milliamp hours. Yeah, the, the battery to keep it. Yeah, powering. like a but normal battery is yeah. only 1,100 or 1,400 milliamp. Yeah. Milliamp hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But even then, you're still, if you project on that, you, yeah. I doubt it would last for an entire movie, for instance. Because it must draw a lot of current, surely. You, you'd expect so you would for think. pumping out 50 Well, it's probably only using an LED, which does not use all that much power. To still, to pump out mm. 15 lumens. Imagine the, the LED flash on an iPhone. You turn that LED on and you drain the battery of your iPhone drastically. Like, zips away. What's the battery on the iPhone the, like then? I don't know what milliamp hours it is, but it's oh. on a good day, you've got 48 hours worth of charge. As long as you don't want to use it too much, it's probably fourteen hundred. Like that seems fairly sort of yeah. industry standard. But it being an iPhone, you can't actually crack it open to have a look. <laughs> yeah, actually, I just had a quick look at this. Yeah, it does. It is fourteen. Have. It's fourteen hundred. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, I think one of the biggest parts about it, but everybody who, because I've read a couple of reviews about this Galaxy Beam since you brought mm-hmm. it up, and all of them are dubious about the amount of RAM in the, the this next generation one because it's like got 8 gigs of built-in storage and then it says on the press release that it's got 6 gigs of RAM. Mm. That's a heck of a lot of RAM for a mm. phone. Yeah, that sounds... There isn't bit, oh. another phone out there which has that much RAM in it. Maybe no. they mean two, <laughs> maybe they mean 8 gig of storage, 2 gig of RAM, even that's a lot. And so, and the, you know, the other 6 is... Yeah, uh, for a phone. Maybe, two gig you know, maybe it's eight, 8 gig of uh, you know, combined memory you know disk memory mm. and, and uh, RAM I don't know don't know seems, don't seems know. a bit odd 6 gig of RAM that's ridiculous yeah. and a phone that's is that's more than my, my Mac desktop it, it's, it's <laughs> I was about to say it's got more than my uh, my laptop that I'm on that, yeah, right that, now that can't be right maybe it's 6 <laughs> it, it megs of RAM it doesn't have more than my computer it's 6 megs of RAM <laughs> <laughs> no it'd have to be more than 6 megs of RAM that wouldn't run it <laughs> that wouldn't run Android no that's true yeah <laughs> So yeah, everybody's dubious about the amount of RAM in that phone, but yeah, the rest of it sounds pretty cool. But yeah. Pico projectors have been around for ages. Mm. Do people like, use you know, them very much? I've never seen uh, one. Obviously not. I think they're just a really niche, a really niche thing, and generally brought out for gimmicky purposes. One, that one they cool haven't really thing that taken off used. as a a user device. Mm. Yeah, one use that I've seen them put to is um, projecting a little keyboard onto a desk. That it then monitors ah. what keys you're virtually pressing, ah. so that you don't so basically so so you don't have a, to a lug Pico, around a keyboard. A Pico projector with a obviously it's a custom device with the Pico yeah. projector and uh, cameras built yeah. into it. Now onto some browsers and privacy. Google agrees to introduce a Do Not Track button to its Chrome browser. Who can explain the Do Not Track button? What's well, basically what a button? That you push and it doesn't track. Yeah, so it, 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 it basically, when, when it's enabled, it embeds a, a specific header within the HTTP protocol that tells the web server that they don't want to be tracked, that the individual doesn't want to be tracked. But the web so, server obviously has to 
observe it yeah, as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. So it, it's them going, hey, don't look at me. And then the other people going, yeah, we're going to look at you anyway. Yeah. We're going to peek through the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fall back on the do not track button as the be all and end all of protecting your privacy on the web. I know, totally. It's not to be confused with web security. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, that, that, with not being online, but it it allows yeah it allows you to you're turning on you're embedding that HTTP header, and if they were any good, they'd tie it to all of the other private browsing or whatever they're calling it for each of the different browsers yeah, to so enable all of those in features all in one cloud. Yeah. So currently, uh, who've got? I think we've got uh, Mozilla have it. Internet Explorer yeah. has it. Mm-hmm. Uh, does. Uh, what was no, Safari fight? doesn't have it, no, but they, the, they've got something else. Well, Safari's getting that in the, uh, the version that's coming out with Mountain Lion. Yeah, Mountain yeah. Lion. But what was the other one? What's the other? Firefox. No, Firefox is Mozilla. You're meaning Opera. Oh, yeah, sorry. I said Mozilla has it. It's actually not the Mozilla browser. It's, it's the Firefox browser that has it. Indeed. indeed. Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So Mozilla probably doesn't have it, but Firefox does. Opera is indeed the other one I, I was wondering about. I, I don't know. No, I'm not, I'm not sure whether they have or not, but I, I would guess that they do because they're usually one of the first to adopt mm. these things. Yeah, they, they seem to, yeah. But actually, uh, I'm just having a look. Uh, it looks like it does. Yeah, it looks like Opera does have, uh, have the Do Not Track as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good news. It's good. Uh, so you that's, know. That, that's one side of the, uh, the challenge is a mechanism to let users tell websites whether they want to be tracked or not. Mm-hmm. Now we just need to get some uh, industry standards in place for websites <laughs> to uh, actually act on it, respect those settings. user settings, mm-hmm. yep. which is another in- challenge entirely. Yeah, indeed. Well, another standard that a bunch of companies are working towards is something that looks a little bit like DRM to hook into H- the HTML5 standard by W3C. Mm. Now, the thing that bothers me a little bit is that they're actually saying, no, this isn't DRM, but it has all the hallmarks of DRM. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, got- it's, it's the framework on which DRM can sit. Precisely. But the, the biggest part about this is they're wanting to build in all of these DRM hooks into uh, and the HTML standard. They want this open HTML web standard to have these built-in DRM hooks. Uh, it's, it's, mm. it's an anti-copying extension. Du- and it's, dubious it's, at best. This dubious. Is, this is being proposed by dubious. Microsoft, Google, and Netflix. Yeah, it kind of bothers me a little bit because... You know, you, as you said, there's a bit of a disconnect here. It, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't quite know where, yeah. This is going to be an, a, another sort of DRM saga that we're going to have to go through again. Oh, it, it absolutely will, but yeah. it's specifically targeted at uh, streaming. So the reason, the reason that both Microsoft and Netflix are putting this forward is that Netflix actually uses Silverlight at the moment because Silverlight has all of the necessary DRM features and functionality they need to satisfy the MPAA sort of requirements that have been placed on Netflix before they could actually get any licensing agreements. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see where the, where the angle they're coming from because yeah. at the moment, if they, do, if they deliver it in HTML5, there is, yeah. they can't meet those requirements. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So that, that, that there's a commercial interest behind why they want to put this into 
the standard so that they don't have to have another thing sitting on top of HTML5 to provide this extra level of functionality. Like Silverlight. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it's ridiculous embedding it into the, the base standard. Hmm. Actually, now that I look at it this way, I'm, I'm almost changing my mind about it. I don't know. It's Because remember... It, I don't think it's inherently bad. Yeah, it's not inherently bad, uh, but it... Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to sit I'm on torn. the fence on this one. I'm torn. Me too. Me too. I think it's an unethical and, yeah, it's an unethical idea. And they're bringing it in saying that it's not DRM when it is clearly oh, a I agree with a DRM that. system. Be up front. They should be upfront about it and saying, yes, we are wanting to put DRM into this. Mm. Because their proposal for this system specifically says, mm. no, they write around in big circles that this isn't DRM. When well, it technically, is, it's not DRM. It's so obviously not, yeah. an important part of yeah. DRM. Yeah. That does not make it not DRM. The only reason you would have this is for rights management. Yeah. There is no other use for this proposal. But at the moment, it's, it's a... A framework. It's it's the groundwork. Correct. It's not it's not the whole. Exactly. That's that's all thing. they want embedded within the, within the standard itself is the framework. So they can build upon from that what, yeah. what they need the, yeah. the specific. Mm. I mean that's okay, isn't it? <sighs> not inside an open standard. But it, it's no it's no different to this. Remember they wanted to get. Uh, in fact, they do have what is it? The one of the MPEG is it AI, uh, What's it, MPEG four? In HTML5, the codec for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, H.264. H.264, that's yeah. the one. I mean, it's the same thing. That is exactly the same thing. They've got a framework for that. They've got the embed tag or whatever it is, the, t- the video tag now, I think it is. Yeah, and uh, then there's y- the third-party decoder that yeah. some browsers will automatically include the codec and some browsers require you to install it separately. Hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. Uh, nah, nah, it... it- not something that you put in an open standard. Yeah, you not at all. So, listeners, tell us what you think. Well, absolutely. <laughs> well, do that. Actually, let us know. It is you ridiculous to a- put something which is there to deliberately obfuscate information away from the users in the open standard for web. Okay, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. But good point. If you do have an opinion, let us know. Uh, you can leave a comment on our website, boysoftech.com, just on the current episode. Now, have you guys heard about the ad on Oxford Street in London, which is against a bus stop? It's a video ad, and it will only play the ad if a, a female stands in front of it. I have heard of this. Yeah, I think it's quite neat. It uses facial recognition technology, the accuracy is only about 90%, but hey, it's, it's reasonable, <laughs> let's say, with, with today's technology. And it tries to figure out whether you're male or female. If you're a male, it just shows you the website and uh, some information there. If it thinks you're female, it'll play you a 40-second video ad. The campaign is about discrimination and lack of opportunities for women in third world countries. Mm. And I think it's a very effective way of actually putting the message across. Indeed. By discriminating. They're discriminating, but they're doing it in the opposite direction that gender discrimination usually goes. Exactly. It's usually women that are being discriminated against, but this one, this 
advertisement discriminates yeah. against men. The underlying principle that they're using is fantastic. Yeah. But then men will be able to watch it anyway because they'll just have watch it behind a woman who's watching it. Yeah, I'm like, this, I wonder that too. If you stand, if there's multiple pairs of eyes, what does it do? Well, indeed, it's a bus stop thing. There are going to be multiple people there. But you can't do that because then they wouldn't be getting their target audience. I think if the primary face that is in front of the billboard is the the advertising screen, if the primary face is detected as female, it'll play it. Because it's you're talking about these things are at bus shelters. Well, look, we're guessing now. (laughs) Exactly, we're speculating. We should find someone in London who can make it to Oxford Street. And and, hey, what about Asim Mishra? Where where was he? No, he was up north, wasn't he? He was in Hull. Yeah, he was up north. Hull. That's miles away from London. Yes. We need someone in London. I can ask someone. Yeah, ask them to go to Oxford Street. Yeah. Or maybe one of our listeners. Maybe one of our listeners has. Yeah. Lives in London or, or goes to yes. We need two people. We need Street. a person of each gender. Well, I mean, the, the, it doesn't really. Because they need. Oh well, yeah. Because we, we just need, need. No, we need a male. We just need a male because there's bound to be a female looking at the ad at some point, right? So we just need a male to then. So we're gonna ask some shadow. guy to hang around an ad. <laughs> yeah. That's that's dubious, Ed. And as soon as a, <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as a woman stands in front of it, we need you to stand up behind her. Yeah, right next to her. <laughs> that's don't that's, say that's, anything. I can just see the news. I can see the news. Hey, men caught for stalking women on Oxford Street. Boys of tech behind. Boys of tech. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 no. But yeah, right, look, how I, about we don't do that? How about we don't do that? How about we move on to another story and remind Macu users that their Macs are not immune to viruses and Trojans. There's a new one out. Uh, uh, this latest Mac Trojan is a password snatching one and spreads has been spreading in the wild actually quite badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, flashback it's, G. It's quite funny in the way that it's, it, it first attempts technological ways of getting onto a person's computer. And if neither of those technological ways work, it falls back on the good old make the idiot behind make the Social idiot on the key, Yes, on the keyboard, click the button. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a Flash update. Uh, sorry, a Java ups. No, is it Flash or Java? No, yeah. it's a Apple update. Oh, that's it right. It tends to be from Apple. That's right. It's an uh, Apple update. Yeah. yeah. I've got an update it, for it's you. It's a Java exploit that it tries to take advantage yeah, of. Ah, that's where I got that from. Yeah, yeah first you're right. it tries it's a Java two Java vulnerabilities exploit. and then yeah. if they fail it pops up a, a thing claiming to be from Apple. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what this malware actually does is um, once it's on your system, it'll uh, track uh, bank websites, PayPal and, and, and those sort of uh, websites and record your credentials when you uh, attempt to log in. Mm. So I, I think this is a, a serious serious thing that Mac users need to, to, to know about. And, and really, it just goes to show yet again that regardless of platform, you really need antivirus these days. Yeah, yeah you, you need to be aware of computer security. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I might do a, a free plug here for, uh, we're not getting paid for this, but a free plug here for, for Sophos antivirus for Mac. It's free. They have a large presence in, in enterprise. They do. They do. That's In fact, that's their, their, their primary core business. Yeah, yeah. that's their core business. Is, is, yeah. And I've got Sophos, and I just had a quick look. Uh, it does know about it. So, so if you safe. haven't got anything, get at least go and download the free version of Sophos for Mac, for home use. Absolutely. It's free for home use, not for business. Indeed, because then you won't have me calling you a knob. 
This has been a public service announcement brought to you by the boys of tech. (laughs) Maybe that sort of compensates for the the stalking that might happen on Oxford Street. (laughs) No, really, we're we're zero balance in our karma. That's right. It's a net net effect of zero. Yeah. Excellent. Um, (laughs) Okay, now I did promise we're going to talk about some synthetic meat, so let's do that. A research lab in the Netherlands has produced some synthetic meat. We're talking about like meat that's that's grown from presumably stem cells, is that right? I guess. I'm, yes. I'm sort of reading between yeah, the lines the here. Yeah, the article says stem cells. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's but, but it's not quite like your chunk of steak that you buy in the supermarket though, is it? No, no. It, it's a random assort a random disarray of muscle cells. Yeah, it looks that it form looks a little a, like meat mousse. Yeah, it's like a, a gross kind of semi-fibrous white thing. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't sound good. Well, it, it's, it's all white because it's just grown in a nutrient solution. So it's got no blood. It's got no, it's just muscle tissue. And yeah. muscle tissue by itself is just white. It's the blood and the iron in it that makes meat red. And so I think this the grown meat question. is quite gross looking. The important <laughs> question is how does it taste? Bland and revolting. Yeah, apparently it does taste bland, doesn't it? Uh, they, they actually, <laughs> they're considering getting the uh, the celebrity chef Heston Blumenthal to, to cook it. <laughs> and then Here, charge someone the 200,000 pounds it costs to make. But that's right, 200,000 British pounds to make this. Wow, so, that's one expensive burger. Yeah, yeah, it's like... Over four hundred thousand New Zealand dollars. By the way, do you do you think that Heston looks a little bit like uh, Johnny Ive? Oh, I'd never put that together, but yeah, he does. He looks like Johnny Ive. Yeah, he does a little bit. There's there's a resemblance, isn't there? There's a resemblance, and he doesn't sound too far off with his accent. You're blowing my mind. (laughs) Maybe they're twins. Maybe it's the same person. Maybe they're clones. Oh, here we go. They've cloned Ives. They've got one who makes neat-looking products and one who makes neat-looking food. By the way, it's Ive, not Ives. Uh, but yeah, well, who knows? They do look quite similar. They sound quite similar. No, it's Ives because there's two of him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Very good. So anyway, back to synthetic meat. Now, obviously, this is at the moment not something we can do on a large scale. There's a lot of... And first of all, it's not even ready because people aren't going to want to eat this thing. It's, it looks disgusting and it tastes rather bland. Who's going to want that? But what it is... It's, it's also far too expensive. And it, Yeah, exactly. It's $200,000 for, for a thin strip. But, you know, this, this is setting the groundwork for... There's probably, you know, decades of work to be done yet before we can start producing synthetic meat and the idea is is that in the future we may well we be able to, to produce, kill animals correct we might be able to produce synthetic meat instead of actually farming animals really i don't think it'll stop the farming of animals what no, i, I, see I think is this will be your soylent green this is what your regular everyday joe can afford to eat it's more your soylent white yeah your soylent white and the actual meat products from actual animals will be the stuff that the Bill Gateses and Steve Jobs yeah, of the well, world. I'm having a real afford. steak. Yeah, I'm having a real steak. I'm trying to so think of an, it an analogy here. That only they can. I, I think this will be and used the rest of on us will spaceships. Have Scotty meat. I well, think there will be a meat lab on spaceships. 
Well, for long distance space exploration, it would be exactly. an ideal way of producing produce because otherwise the people at the other end are going to all be vegetarians and they're going to eat the first animal they come across because <laughs> they'll have been starved for so many years. I'm missing my not meat. having a good burger. They'll, they'll come across an animal there and the animal will say hi and they'll go, ah, eat it. Wouldn't you just, no, wouldn't it be cheaper to free, well, I don't know how cheap this will get, but couldn't you just freeze meat in, for space and keep it not frozen? for that long. But for long distance voyages, that's, you're talking about lugging a huge freezer. Like more than a year you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking sort of interstellar. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. You're talking about Even way, to just way travel out between there. the yeah, yeah, yeah. between the planets like, in our own solar system. You're talking more than a year. Like in 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 a spaceship for 400, 500 years. So generations of of people grow up in the ship. Indeed. <laughs> Brought up on uh, on Soylent White, as you call it. Indeed, on Soylent White, <laughs> which is made out of a combination of. Clones and grown muscle tissue, as well as the corpses of all the people who've died. I'm, look, I'm going to move the story What's on. That's the way Soylent White <laughs> goes, isn't it? You add Soylent to it, you obviously mean that it's got people in it. No, no, no. It's only knows the Soylent Green, green that has the people. It's only the Soylent Green that oh, has Oh, Soylent the White will have people in it too. Come on, generational spaceships. They're bound to recycle. Well, this is true. <laughs> can we talk about Australians and Facebook? Well, we can try. Oh, have to. Well, we have an Australian here, Al. You, you, you're, you're an Australian, and you use I Facebook, do. right? I do. Now, but, but not as much uh, as I used to. Uh, well, the a gr- oh, great segue because my story was going to be exactly about that. It is uh, some stats that have come out on the use of Facebook in Australia. Now, at its peak uh, recently, looking at sort of beginning, you know, first quarter of 2011 or thereabouts, Australians would spend on average around 30 minutes a time on Facebook. That was the average session time. And that's been dropping ever since uh, roughly middle of last year. It's been dropping steadily and it's now sitting at about 22 minutes. Wow. So is Facebook, uh, is kind of Facebook now a bit, Bit of a you know a bit bland, a bit passe, yes. a bit over it. Exactly. Now, is I this think just the visits to the Facebook website, or are probably. they also taking into account all of the other mobile ways that people get access to Facebook information? Yeah. So, like for instance, myself, I I would spend probably about fifteen minutes on Facebook every six months, but I get Facebook updates directly to my phone. So <laughs> I, I get a lot of my to go to the website. phone as well. So, so. by, yeah, <laughs> it could just be that Australians are embracing their Facebook usage by getting the information directly punched to their mobile device. So when you use it from your phone, L, are you using an app, a Facebook app? No, it's actually baked into uh, Windows Phone. Oh right, it's part okay. Of the OS, yeah. Right, but but it is okay. X is an app, correct? It doesn't. It, it's not just a, a link to a website to the Facebook website. No, it's part, no, it's, no, it's it's part of the uh, the People Hub itself. So I, I can see updates from my Twitter stream, from Facebook, from LinkedIn, all baked in. Yeah. Well, so look, it, that's a very good point, then, Brett. I mean, is uh, how have they measured this? Is it hipwise? I think. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Hip-wise. So it's probably tracking so probably just their website. Where, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it is. And, and the fact well, I think that we've nailed it. Yeah, it's uh, they're it's not counting the people who are getting that checking. information in other ways. 
Yeah, and actually Facebook do claim that 30% of the user time is now mobile-based. So yeah, that it's could, just that a shift. Could, yeah, it could well be. It could well be. But, you know, I will say this, though. I'm kind of reiterating Bruce Simpson's words here when I say this, but, you know, recently Facebook uh, did a, uh, the, uh, you know, an initial p- uh, public float. Mm-hmm. An IPO. An IPO. And Bruce's comment on his blog is, why would you buy into something that is at its peak? Mm. You know, because really, it still really has weak. massive monetization benefit. Uh, it's only it? at its it, absolutely, absolutely. How's it going to make any more money than it is? Okay, by becoming a currency. All right, by becoming a, a, a payment platform, eight hundred and fifty million people all suddenly using Facebook as their payment platform instead of PayPal or equivalents. It, exactly. They could run right, auctions. They huge. could run auctions on there. Is what I've been saying for a while. Yeah, and take on but, eBay. But they could do the end to end. They could handle the payments. Okay, but, I mean, but it remember, could go, go to the point where you could actually go into a, a supermarket or an IGA or something and actually pay using your phone, pay for goods using Facebook credits. Okay, I see where you're going with this, but remember, <laughs> you have to do a lot of deals to get something that. That's oh, absolutely. Pretty absolutely. Big. But yeah. remember, at the core of it is a social network, right? Now, yeah. things like social networks are, are so fickle. You know, people's, they are very people's, fickle. What's trendy look at, today. Look at MySpace. Exactly. What's trendy today is a bit sort of dated next week. There is an argument, though, that, that Facebook has actually hit such a critical mass that it just can't disappear now. Mm. Well, it does have so that. much inertia and momentum now. And people have put in so much time and effort to their Facebook profiles, to mm-hmm. their Facebook presence, that and, they and do have that kind of on it. buy just, in. It just like Netscape, yeah, because everyone used Netscape. In fact, back in the day, Netscape was synonymous with the internet. Yeah, but, uh, but Netscape but, didn't have that personal buy-in. I, you used Netscape because it was the, the Plus the, the sample pool was got. really small. Yeah, yeah no, you, you're right. Whereas for it's, it's this, kind of you're talking about people's actual buy-in, people's in, investing their own time on their profiles, on the uploading their photos, on all of that sort of stuff. That is their own personal investment. And for them to disconnect from it, were a lot of people would have quite a lot of difficulty doing that. You're essentially talking about the entire Western world. I mean, that's pretty much the number of people on Facebook. That is a lot of people. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that. It is a lot of people. I still think that uh, something can dislodge it. Once something starts building up momentum as something trendy and hip. But that's what Google Google Plus was trying, is trying. It's trying to dislodge Facebook. You're right. I just don't see Google Plus as hip enough. But It's a difficult thing to do. And you would have to come up with something, you know, significantly trended to make enough people move away from it to have them jump ship to Facebook. So it, it would have to be a superior product as well. It would have to be a superior product that out of the box works the same, you know, linked in the same way that Facebook is already linking into everything. It's like you log in to different website, web forums and stuff. You can log in as your registered account there or you can register your account and link it to your Facebook account. Yeah. Which I've so, got to be honest, I, I, I tend to do now. If they have a Facebook Connect 
option, I'll generally use that. Uh, see, I'm the opposite. Whenever yeah, I see that, I'm I, also the opposite. Yeah. I, I don't. I like to keep my my online identities quite independent. Yeah, I do that as well. Uh, admittedly, I don't have I a Facebook care. account, but if they offer a Twitter login, I I don't I don't do it. What's I, the difference? I sign up differently. Mm. So you you sign up like directly, directly with the site. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mostly for the reason that I don't really necessarily trust that site. You know, enough to have it yeah, linked with, yeah, with my linked information. to your other information. There's yeah. also the fact that once again, you are bringing it, you know, I'll put my, Brett puts on his security hat, yada, yada. Foil again. Hat. <laughs> and it is a single point of failure. You've got a single security failure point that if somebody compromises your Facebook login, they get access to everything else that you've got linked to it. Oh, that's valid. And we already know behavior, that that's valid. We already know that Facebook gets a lot of hackage and compromise to different Facebook accounts. We've done stories on it, but yeah, I think that's inevitable when there's 850 million people on it. Oh, though. precisely. It's nothing that they can prevent. Yeah. But by doing all of these linkages to a single sign-on, that is not going to ever be 100% secure. You are opening yourself up to losing a lot more than if you kept things independent. Valid so if point. it's important, that, 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 I will keep them independent. That's the same reason that I actually use different passwords for every single website, particularly my uh, banking websites. Mm-hmm. Very, very strong 13, 13 to 16 character passwords that are completely random text. Yeah. And yeah, no, you've, you've pretty much sold me. <laughs> and that is why I do not use those Facebook links <laughs> to log in with my Facebook account. Valid, valid point. I certainly would never do it on, on a banking site or PayPal or anything like that. Oh, and I would massively condemn a bank that offered that facility. Yeah, yeah. I, w- <laughs> yeah. I would go to the bank's branch and I would say, so... Uh, how about you give me all my money now because obviously <laughs> if a man comes in and says he's from Facebook, you're going to give him my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You really got to question a man that lets you log in with Facebook. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> a banking inst- any financial institution Facebook should is always be completely oh, independent yeah, and separate. Yes, our- unless, of course, as Al, Al said just, just now, unless Facebook is your bank coming going. Tying back to what you originally said. And once again, I would then then be going, why in the world are you banking with Facebook? Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it might become your online currency. Wasn't that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And they'll institute two-factor authentication and that sort of stuff eventually. Well, if they go that way. If they go that way, they'll have to introduce two-factor. But they're kind of, it goes kind of against their open social aspect for the rest of their social media, which is they want it to be as easy as possible. Indeed. Okay, so use the Facebook login with caution is what I'm getting out of this, and certainly don't trust a bank that, that offers it. Now, onto something that fascinates me a lot more than Facebook. Mind you, that's not hard. And that Potatoes in pajamas. Dead plants. <laughs> oh, you guys are terrible. <laughs> Stephen Fry. Well, dead, actually, you know, dead plants is exact. Oh, sorry, I thought you were being... Uh, I thought you came coming up with something ridiculous, but actually, you were spot on. It is about dead plants. Russian scientists have grown... A plant from seeds that were buried thirty thousand years ago. That's from but the not just buried. What were they buried by? That's the most interesting from part squirrels, of the From squirrels, buried by squirrels. Exactly. Squirrel a seeds. Purple squirrel. <laughs> oh, they don't know the color of the squirrel because they didn't actually get to squirrel. 
They're just found as burrow. But get this, they're actually growing these plants from the Pleistocene I know. era. They've, yeah, they've been awesome. freeze-dried and they've come up and yeah. they've managed to make and, them grow. And not only that, they've grown them, they've flowered, they've gone to seed and they've managed to pollinate and, you know... The, the, oh, well, second poll- generation. Second generation, absolutely. Second generation of yeah. a previously... And the germination rate is 100%, whereas in control, the control plants, which were ones of today, was only 80 to 90%. So, so okay, they're so- actually more resilient. I'm going to make a prediction here. In, yep. in 20 years' time, we're going to look back at this day and ask why we ever resurrected this plant because it has taken over the world. <laughs> Precisely. We will discover there that is... it is the most virulent plant weed pests known to man, that we no longer have the squirrel, which is the only reason why it did not take over the planet and destroy the veg- you know destroy all the land surface for any other vegetation because of the squirrel that used to be everywhere and gathered up all of the seeds. Yeah, but that's okay. All we need to do now is, if that happens, is to introduce the squirrel into those areas. But we'd need to find out what the squirrel was and, and recreate the squirrel. But surely any squirrel would eat those uh, Not necessarily. Seeds, it might have been a special kind of squirrel. Yeah, maybe the squirrels of today would find it poisonous. Precisely. Or unappealing, like laboratory ex- meat. Precisely. Indeed. <laughs> See, this, is, the, this is exactly what animal, happened in Jurassic yeah. Park. Have these scientists not watched Hollywood movies? This is the herbivore equivalent of lab-grown meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, for one, welcome our new plant-based world dominators. Indeed. They haven't said it. It is a pretty flower. It It is a very flower. (laughs) It is a pretty flower. I wouldn't mind one of those on my desk at work. Absolutely. Hmm. But not if it's going to take over. Oh, yes. Yes. And it's brain-controlling pheromones or something. Oh, Precisely. That thing will get in, and the next thing we know, it won't be in a pot on your desk. It will we'll be, be growing, growing out, out of your ears. <laughs> oh, goodness. Look, you guys, I'm, I'm going to take you away from these, uh, these laboratory and prehistoric I think it's very cool. stories. And I think before this takes over, we will see mammoths. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we will. I, we, we, the short, but is the DNA not too damaged? Well, they've got freeze-dried seeds, which they've managed to resurrect. Find too damaged for yeah. a scientist. Precisely, <laughs> they'll just plug in the fill in. The, they fill in the gaps with frog DNA, and then they make them all female, so that they can't reproduce. And anyway, yeah, if, if, the way if, you do these things, yeah. come on. And even if they might, done it sign, they might sign the DNA string in the bit that they can't actually work out. <laughs> Indeed, with eight It'll years encryption. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. All right, now look, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up the show, at least uh, the international stories section. Uh, but right after this little musical ditty, I'm gonna come back with a few New Zealand stories, including what Stephen Fry said about New Zealand broadband. Don't go away. Okay, welcome back. Now, you have to be living on a rock not to have heard what Stephen Fry has said about New Zealand broadband, unless, of course, you live outside New Zealand, in which case you probably don't give a rat's bottom. But he said... Oh, in a, twi- a lot of people will have, because a lot of people follow Stephen Fry on Twitter. He is highly followed. In fact, isn't, isn't he the most followed, or have I got that wrong? No. 
No, he, he, he may have been at one I time. I think he's but, up, though. Yeah, he's Lady Gaga fun. or someone now. Yeah. Who's, who is the most – here we go. Top 100 – here's a Twitter counter. Top 100 most followed people. Here we go. Number one is – I would say either Lady Gaga or Justin Bieber. Actually, I don't trust this. Oh, no. Did it just pop up a little box saying that it was from Apple and it needed to install an update? (laughs) Get when you fool. Yeah, that's it. No, it's – but this isn't in order. No, (laughs) top 100 in random order. Oh, no, no, it is. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, no, no, it is in order. That was an ad or something. Okay, it's Lady Gaga. You're absolutely right. Lady Gaga has almost 20 million followers. Justin Bieber is, uh, is second. I picked it. Holy cow, you were right. <laughs> yeah, you, you were spot on. <laughs> Katy Perry oh. is number three. Number four is Shakira Rihanna at number five. Now, where, Fry. where is Stephen Fry? Where is Fry? He does, he, not feature, he does not feature on the, in the, on the top 20. I'm going uh, to load up the next 20 and see if no. he's there. Oh. Bruno Mars, by the way, is number 23, but still no sign of Fry. Let's see if Stephen Fry is in the 40 to 60 range. No, he's not. I'm going to load up 60 to 80. And he comes in at number 76. <gasps> oh, at least he's in the top 100. <laughs> he's only got 3.9 million followers. Ah, uh, only. But that's still more people than are in... No, it's slightly less than the number of people in New Zealand. Yeah, it's slightly less. I thought less. you were going to say MySpace. Ever so small. <laughs> Probably no, there's only too. like two people left in MySpace, isn't there? The person who runs it and the person who runs its girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Runs its girlfriend or the girlfriend of the person who runs it is what you mean. <laughs> the yeah. person who runs its girlfriend. <laughs> That's what I said. The person who runs it's girlfriend. I, I know. It just sounds weird. Because Which is the a... girlfriend of the person who runs it. <laughs> it sounds... And his name is actually Runs It. <laughs> Indeed. It's Runs It, Runs It. Oh, man. This be anyway, of... back to Stephen Fry, who thinks that New Zealand broadband is pretty crap. P- pretty poor, yes. He, he says, and I'll, I'll quote a little bit, he says, New Zealand is probably one of the worst broadband I've ever encountered, turns itself off, slows to a crawl, pathetic and he's urged Kiwis to rise up and he reckons that someone smart enough could make a fortune and fool the complacent telecom and the contentious attitude to customers few rant over unquote <laughs> yeah well, no, and that made big news actually because it, it really sort of brought home like you know yes we know about that we, we know it's have, pathetic yeah, and thank you for actually you know shining br- the light on it shining mm. the light on it yes exactly but it was he was encountering something that obviously the people who he was staying with had not anticipated because what had happened, I believe, is that he was staying at a place and he was using the broadband and he hit the broadband cap for the account holder. And when the cap is hit, instead of cutting you off completely, they just throttle you back. Yeah, and so okay. the... Yeah, the, the, the person whose house he was staying at or place he was staying at hadn't accommodated Stephen Fry's massive internet habits because yeah, Stephen but, Fry know, is, still, a, yeah. is a prolific prolific uploader. But look, and, let me say though, Brett, it still highlights something about the new state of New Zealand broadband. Oh, and yeah, it's the not fact the speed, that it pulls it's over the low and caps. makes you... No, exactly. no, no. Yeah. yeah, it's a low caps. So yeah. either or. I mean, it's either the, the speed, the reliability, or the, the low caps, but whatever it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and we've said something many, many times on this show how, how, yeah, bad broken. how the broadband is in in New Zealand. Yep. How bad Indeed. our traffic plans are compared to even Australia, just over the gap. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of the fact we are so far away from everywhere else. We've got to have all of these really expensive cables laid that are then controlled by a small conglomerate who deal out the bandwidth in those cables. And a lot of people are moving to Australia from New Zealand. Uh, in fact, I just caught up with an ex-colleague who I hadn't seen over a year ago when I was working at the cricket on Saturday night, and he's off to uh, Brisbane, of all places. And why he'd go to Brisbane, I don't know. I mean, uh, that's puzzling. Yeah, it's puzzling. Why mm. would you want to go to Brisbane? Oh, sorry, Al. Crazy. Yeah, when you've got <laughs> Melbourne. You could go to Melbourne if you had a place to choose. Yeah, it's four seasons in one day, Melbourne. Well, you know, I tell, yep. you, I tell you what. It, it, but it's got a tram. Oh, that is a plus point. If Melbourne was where Brisbane is, that would be the ultimate city, I reckon. Mm, Absolutely. But then it wouldn't be like that, would it? No. Well, it could be. No, I I think I've said the same thing about uh, Dunedin. I said, look, if Dunedin was where Auckland was, it would be such an awesome city to live in. And well, yeah, but, and, what your but point, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Dunedin. It would be. It would be Dunedin as long as you had the. No, what you everyone need for is you there. need the culture. You need all of the appropriateness. No, but it would turn that is into what an Auckland. Made Dunedin, Dunedin. This is my point. It would turn into an Auckland. Everyone would yeah. go there. A lot of immigrants would go there. Nothing against immigrants, but just you know that would dilute, if you like, the yeah. culture that uh, that was the Dunedin. Of people that exactly. Were there. <laughs> so you know, and uh, and not just immigrants also, but people from other parts of New Zealand that all move there, and it would become Auckland. Well, or they like would just build another set of hills to block them off. <laughs> yeah, that we could do. Yeah. yeah, build District 9. <laughs> District 9. <laughs> Where we already have that. We call it Auckland. All right, let's move on and talk uh, <laughs> t- talk about a new startup website, studyspace.co.nz, started by Hayden Kerisk. Now, Hayden is, an, is a 19-year-old student. He's been working on this website over the summer, and he's finally released it. It's a website to trade study notes. Has anyone looked at the site? No, No. I didn't even know about it until you just pointed it out. But I think it's a brilliant idea. So it's a very niche. Buy and sell study notes? Yeah. Okay. He's going to have to seriously consider his policies on that because I'm sure the universities themselves might have some issues with somebody monetizing their notes. Well, these are notes that that other students have made, by the way, not. Yeah, yeah, but it's irrelevant. It, it's monetizing the, the, the study notes from the lecture somebody's lecture material. And lecturers are incredibly protective of their material. Lecturers have to explicitly allow you to record your stuff. There have been many cases in universities of lecturers not wanting people to record in their lecturers. And monetizing the notes that you came out, it's I, I don't think it's a good plan. As a place to share your notes, I thought that was a great idea, but monetizing it is, mm, they're trees treading on some, some difficult legal ground there, in my opinion. But it'd be interesting to see what the legal standpoint on that actually is. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I can only assume, you know, we, we couldn't get him on the show this week, but I can only assume he's, he's looked into this. He's only 19. So maybe not. <laughs> so maybe not. I mean, I mean I'm, not, I'm, I'm not disparaging 19-year-olds, but 
consequence isn't isn't forefront of mind. Oh, look, I, I don't disagree. I mean, look, when we were 19, Brett, I think it was kind of like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Everything was, anything was possible. Yeah. Anything was possible. give anything we'll a go and worry about the consequences later. Yeah. But I, I don't know if this is the case or whether he's done the homework, so, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But it mm. is a good point to make, though, Brett. Uh, you know, what's the legal standpoint on this? What, are, yeah. what do lecturers think? What does a university think? Where's this going to go? Now, while we're talking about education and, and that sort of stuff, I just discovered a, a new website this week called Audacity, with, spelt with a U, so U-D-A-C-I-T-Y.com. So is it U- Udacity? Yeah, Udacity, or Udacity. Yeah. Um, Udacity. Which, which is actually an um, online lectures of, done by professors all for free. So iTunes U is really what you're talking about. Yeah, well, but not locked in. Not locked in. Well, iTunes isn't locked in. Anyone can go to iTunes. You still need iTunes. Can you access it from something other than iTunes? Oh, okay. So you need the software, sure. Yeah. Okay, point so this, taken. This is just video accessible over the internet through a web browser. And it looks really good. It's... Building a search engine is the first one, and you do it in Perl, I think. Yeah. And they've got one programming a robotic car. Exactly. <laughs> so, And they've got... Upcoming courses are the uh, theory of computation, operating systems, computer networks, distributed systems. So I am going to be doing all of these courses. Mm, sounds brilliant. To, to re- refresh my uh, knowledge of those things. So I did a lot of those in university, but that was 10 years ago. 12 years ago, in fact. Yeah, I must admit, there are a lot of mater- there is a lot of material out there now uh, from mm-hmm. universities that are available for free, just like this. Uh, I myself, I haven't come across this site before. I'm looking at it now, but I, it's the first time I've seen it. Certainly, I, I mentioned iTunes U, and I've watched a few lectures published through iTunes U. And yeah. I, I think there are other sites as well. They're not the only ones. Um, no, abs- absolutely not. But, it's it's just it, interesting. But yeah, it's yeah. it's really good to... And I think they make fantastic marketing, great marketing material for the universities. Yeah. You know, because if, yeah. if, if it gets you interested, it gives you a taste of, of what you can... Uh, study for you know for real mm-hmm. if you like you know and actually get a qualification out of it yeah uh, you know that that can be that can work for them yeah so this is like hobbyist education fantastic so that's uh udacity yeah. I, mean, is that, I, pre- I presume that's how it's pronounced i it? would say it's probably yeah udacity udacity yeah. u-d-a and then city c-i-t-y dot com com i like uh who was it that said udacity udacity <laughs> udacity man all right. Indeed. Anyway, on that note, let's wrap up episode 155. Brett, thank you very much for contributing to the uh, show. Always a pleasure, Ed. And also Al from Drinkle.com, which is going to release at some point, I hope. One day soon. <laughs> One day soon. Yeah, Edwin is, is waiting for it so that he can start ordering his booze. Yeah, and finding out where I can get some special one-day deals or one-week deals or whatever you've got. Indeed, indeed. Well, you'll keep us posted, that's for sure, won't we you? We will indeed. Excellent. So, uh, Al, thank you very much for your contributions as well. No problem at all. All right, that concludes episode 155 of the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest-running tech podcast, and in our opinion, the best by Country Mile. Join us again next week for episode 156. In the meantime, goodbye, have a great week. See you later. See you later.